You are listening to Firm Up, the fermented food podcast, where we get together every week to discuss anything and everything fermented. We're your hosts, Brandon and Allison, and this week we are talking about the FDA cheese, cheese boards, where it's been, where things are going, and all this and more in episode 70. Big weeks in the fermentation space, or specifically in the cheese world. Yeah, it's kind of, I mean, it just kind of came out of nowhere, the the stuff that we're going to talk about tonight. The FDA the scary FDA coming in, um, maybe not the scary FDA, but uh, there was definitely an artisanal cheese scare. Um, and in regard to wood boards and people being fearful of good cheese in the United States going away and fear of, of imports not being allowed in kind of like that, uh, Mimolette cheese and the cheese mites, too many cheese mites being dictated by the FDA and holding cheese and, and not allowing the importation of Mimolette cheese was looking like it might have been on a much grander scale. So this was kind of a kind of a big deal and it was also really I think great to have seen so much response. More than anything, it wasn't just cheese makers that were responding to this. It wasn't just professionals. It was also just a public that was sharing this information. And I don't know if it's because cheese is just delicious and it spans and goes beyond the general public interest. It's just something that everyone is connected to, at least in a little way. But for the most part, I don't think of it as being something that's that huge or something people think about that often. I mean, cheese aging on wood boards. It doesn't seem like a conversational piece for the general public. It's a lot of exciting stuff to talk about, but um, it definitely spread around um, over the internet, at least, especially. Oh, I completely agree. It was almost, I mean, I woke up one day and saw an uh, not only an email from a friend of mine who works at um, in um, a cheese houses R and D department, um, talking about it, but even on like my personal Facebook or social media pages, um, the outcry that people had against what the FDA FDA was ruling or um, wanting to um, ma- mandate um, about these cheese boards, and if anyone hasn't heard about any of this stuff, we figured we kind of go over that today and uh, kind of go in depth as to what all of this means. But as a spoiler alert for anyone that by chance hasn't caught up to all of this stuff, the FDA did back down last Tuesday with a statement, or at least it seems to be that way. Uh, and, and the reason why it seems to be that way is because the statement is still a little ambiguous as to what direction the FDA is going to take in the future against wood boards, artisanal cheesemakers, and the like. So much so that there's even an article and, uh, there's a congressman in Vermont, Peter Welch, who is introducing an amendment to the Agricultural Appropriations Bill for fiscal year of 2015. What he's talking about is expressly prohibiting the FDA from using any funds, any money whatsoever to prevent or limit the use of wooden shelves for aging cheese. He wants to go so far as to, because the FDA seems in their statement, which we'll get into a little bit more in depth later, seems to be uh, saying that they want an open discussion regarding this. Whereas at first it was seeming like they were not going to discuss anything, but uh, want an open discussion, want to look more into the research. But uh, this congressman is saying, hey, uh, want to introduce a, a amendment that says you can't spend any money on this because these things have been used for hundreds of years. Artisanal cheesemakers throughout the country rely on wood boards as a form of aging. And so back off. Well, maybe we should um, go one step back and kind of explain what, because we didn't really explain it, what the FDA was saying. So, and and why it's so important to cheesemakers to um, 
to be using wood boards for aging. Do you have any sort of information well, on that? Well, where did it all begin? Well, it probably began a lot farther back and we'll get into a little bit more on that too. But January 2014 was when the first email uh, from the FDA egg and dairy branch, it was Chief Monica Metz. She was responding to New York Department of Agriculture in Markets. Uh, these New York officials had emailed requesting uh, more clarification regarding the FDA's position on wood shelving. They had pretty much, there was one or three, uh, I'm not exactly certain, cheese producers that had been told that they needed to stop using their wood shelves to age cheese. It's a common thing. I mean, it's, uh, I guess we'll get a, a little bit more into it too, but like cheese aging on wood shelves, like you see an article or search images of artisanal cheese aging, wood boards is just very common. It's just a part of many cheeses. It's it's even the identity of some. They they must be aged on wood in order to be called a certain kind of cheese, given their European heritage and whatnot. But the FDA had said uh, you should cannot be doing this because there is uh, these boards were contaminated with listeria monocytogenes. Monocytogenes, and um, they said they shouldn't be using them anymore. Um, that's where it all started. So I guess before we even get into much of the details on what this all means with the shelves and the cheese and the FDA, it all goes back to contamination. The FDA is trying to protect the general public from from infections and from disease. And Listeria monocytogenes, what is that? Um, well, it's a pathogenic type of bacteria and, um, Listeria monocytogenes is, it falls under the category of, uh, the genus Listeria. Um, and from what I remember, um, Listeria monocytogenes, um, create, can, if you ingest it, um, you can have Listeriosis and it's, um, a central nervous system problem. Um, and it usually is, a f- very, very um, effective in people who are immunocompromised, so people who have like autoimmune diseases, um, also people who have HIV, pregnant women, newborns, the elderly um, are most at risk for um, this type of uh, pathogenic infection. And it's really common in the environment. Um, I know that it's – I think that it's pretty common in soil. So it's ubiqu- ubiquitous in a lot of places um, and it can persist in your intestinal tract um, when you do have it. And I know that you don't really need a lot – again, um, a lot of uh, a lot of the listeria cells to create this type of illness um, because it the symptoms are uh, – come on very fast and it's usually fever, muscle aches and people usually just associate it with just maybe a mild cold but um, and they don't even realize that it's a bacterial infection until it's really too late. Um, and Too late so, as in they're going to die? Too late as in, uh, I don't want to say die but um, the bacterial infection has spread so much that it can lead to hospitalization. Um, I don't think it leads to any type of paralysis um, but it does create like confusion. Um, in pregnant women, it can lead to a miscarriage or a stillborn birth. Um, and so it's most important and most, I, I think the FDA is really concerned about it because um, it does create a really um, a terrible type of infection that does require hospitalization. And I don't know if it, you know, if it leads to death or how many deaths a year. 
our result of it, but they, you know, just like anything, prevention is key. Um, and so I think that's what they're really concerned about is just preventative action to um, even having an, this be an option for people. And listeria is also common in lunch meats um, and hot dogs and that sort of thing. So, so it's not really just raw milks and cheeses and unpasteurized cheeses. It can be found in other places and other types of food sources too. Yeah, it's even um, – there's evidence that it's it's shown up in pasteurized milk as well. So it's not like it's it's – unable to get through the safety mechanisms that are generally considered safe. But I mean, mostly it's just, it's something that's ever uh, advised not to eat like the, the raw milks, like you're talking about when a person's pregnant or, you know, the real young or elderly, but then also things, soft cheeses like feta, brie, camembert. These are cheeses that aren't really aged on wood. And so that's where it gets interesting because there's never been a case of a infection from uh, or or any kind of foodborne illness related to woodboard aging of cheese. I mean, woodboard, it's something that's been going on for hundreds of years. It's something that, while that's not always an ev- enough evidence, it's something that has been studied and there is evidence that it is safe and that there's kind of this biofilm that grows on wood to protect it from things like listeria. Now that's not to say that listeria can't infect it as the FDA was talking about those two, one to three cases in New York. Uh, It's not that it can happen, but with proper cleanliness, it's totally possible to keep this at bay according to current research out there. And FDA cited in their, uh, their statements, they cited these, uh, these journal articles, which one even was actually for, or, or saying that that biofilm is created. So it's kind of confusing even to what they were linking to when they made their statement against wood boards. But the, the I mean, there's, there's almost 75% of cheese producers in the three largest cheese producing states. So Wisconsin, California, and do you remember what the other one is? We just went over this a couple of weeks. It was it, uh, I know. <laughs> Minnesota or I, I don't, I can't remember. Um, I, you know, it slips my mind, but I want to say maybe it is, and it's not Idaho. I want to say maybe Oregon. No, I don't think, well, you, well, usually when I disagree with you, you end up being right. So we'll just go with that. I mean, it's, it's somewhere. And the third one. Oh, so, I'm sorry. It's New York. Oh, well, that makes sense. I believe it's, I, I believe it's New York because they, that's a very high producing dairy population, um, in, um, New York state. Very much so. Yes. So that, okay. So we have Wisconsin, California, and most likely New York, but the three largest, almost 75% of those cheesemakers in those three states are aging at least some of their cheese on wood. So this is a lot of cheese. Uh, Where I'm at, Wisconsin, almost 30 million pounds of cheese are aged on wood um, in a year. And in Europe, 1 billion pounds of cheese a year are aged on wood boards. I mean, it's a very traditional method of aging cheeses uh, like Parmigiano Reggiano and uh, Comte and, and other cheeses that are, again, some sometimes regulated as in they cannot ha- bear the name without the cheese board aging. So this is something big. So this was something to fear because... Well, the- and, yeah. And even the FDA ruled that um, this, this wood board ban would be... Um, basically worldwide. So anything that came to the United States could not have been touched by a wood board, the way I understand the the uh, law regulation. Yeah, I mean, that's where it gets a little confusing because that was the the FDA came out with this statement. First, they came out with that response to to, to New York. And then they then they were talking with 
um, they made a, a public statement talking about how wooden shelves or boards cannot be adequately cleaned or sanitized. And so they cannot be used for cheese ripening or aging. And it is considered unsanitary practice by the FDA and is a violation of FDA's current good manufacturing practice regulations. And that's where was the huge thing. That's where some of that speculation of it's like, okay, this is current regulation. They're saying they're not even talking about they're going to have to use uh, public discourse to come up with new regulation. They're saying they're using old rules to enforce this. And they just haven't enforced it before because it used to be something that the states kind of did and made the choices themselves. But what we're, what the scare was, was specifically that, they weren't even going to have to ask questions of anyone. They were just going to be able to make this ruling. And so that would also speculation at least was that does this also rule out the importation of cheese kind of like the Mimolet and too many cheese mites that the FDA randomly decided there were too many per square inch based on an ambiguous decision. And so would, what would this mean for, for so many amazing cheeses coming into the United States? Would we have to go elsewhere to get our cheese? So it wasn't just about the artisanal cheesemakers, the hundreds, I don't know, maybe thousands of, of cheese uh, artisanal cheesemakers that, that their whole livelihood depends on these wood-aged cheeses. Like, this is a big deal. You can't just take away the wood and get the same cheese. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure that there, the I don't know exactly how the wood board itself, if it creates some sort of like flavor or um, ro- maybe it's just a romantic thing that's associated with with ripening cheeses and stuff. I don't. I don't. No, really know that it's not much just a romantic it. thing. But um, yeah, I can see how that can that can decrease the quality. I mean, I mean, I know that the one of the rulings said that you had to, or one of the other options besides using wood boards would be stainless steel, and um, I mean, it would be food grade, and um, usually food grade stainless steel doesn't impart any kind of um you know, detriment to flavor. But, uh, and I just, I, I think that it would kind of lose a little bit of that romance if you went into, um, a cheese cellar and you saw all of these beautiful looking cheeses on stainless steel. It just doesn't have the same kind of effect as, um, wood, wood boards do. No, in certain ages, certain cheeses can be aged by other means, but, uh, the, the wood, um, is, is not, it's not just a romantic, um, ideal. And I wish I had a lot more information on to like what all the differences are, but I mean, it's about moisture control. It's about, um, the, the ripening process of the rind, but it's, it isn't just the, that it's been done that way always. Sure. I mean, cheese could be made otherwise. It doesn't have to be made with the wood board. You wouldn't get the same cheeses and, uh, it, systems and processes probably need to be changed for a lot of things. So maybe it wouldn't be the complete end of everything, but it would be a complete and total shift. And a shift that seems to be for no reason. And it, that is, I think, why it became such a huge deal on the internet and elsewhere. Public uh, interest was high because it's like, wait a minute, why does this, I like this cheese has been made this way for a very long time, even in the European Union where some cheese has been uh, regulated out of existence, like the one with the maggots that that grow in it to make it what it is. And the live magnets are still there when it's consumed uh, that Italian cheese. I can't remember what it is off the top of my head, but that eventually was allowed back in. But that even that was regulated against once Italy became part of the European union many years ago. So, I mean, there's, it's not like this is the first time that certain traditional cheeses have been um, hated on, but this is definitely a big one because this would be far reaching in the American cheese and beyond. And so the, the, 
that's where the reason why all this stuff is even happening is because of the Food Safety Modernization Act. So the FSMA, and it's the first major update of federal food safety law since 1938. So it's it pretty much gives the Food and Drug Administration, the FDA, um, the the broad new powers to prevent food safety problems, and it's uh, based on debated proposals in 2009-2010, um, and this is all post-war 9/11 bioterrorism concerns, um, and so they're they're pretty much given the ability to detect and respond to food safety issues and improve the safety of imported foods. But this does not include things like meat, poultry, or eggs, but it does definitely include things like dairy products like this cheese. So um, they, they're they currently in the rulemaking stage. That's why we're kind of seeing all these things that are coming up. It's like, oh, here's a rule or here's a rule that supposedly was already in place. Um, and it's all due to this. I mean, the FDA is, is being given a lot more power. So these traditional artisanal products are potentially in danger and it's kind of similar to uh, the beer brewing uh, spent grain issue earlier this year where um, that wasn't a previous rule they were actually taking public dis- uh, discourse and and trying to gather information uh, to make a proper decision but they were pretty much saying that like these spent grains this waste product that is a good thing to send on to feed mills or to feed to animals and and whatnot something that's been happening for i don't know decades was Maybe even- Maybe even longer. I mean, um, spent grains. I'm sure that when, in the Middle Ages and stuff, when people were brewing beer, um, they needed to find a use for it, and they probably fed it to their cattle or um, livestock. Yeah, even, even on a small, then. even on a small scale. Yeah, definitely mm-hmm. was was done. And um, it, but it, it's like it was an industrial scare that just like recently happened. It's like, no, you're going to have to prepackage all of those things and and make sure it's these meeting these certain regulations, which had never been a concern before. And all of a sudden, there's this the scare of it, which they, they did backtrack on that one too. They said, you know, along the lines of, well, we realize that there's not as much concern given as long as there's not glass or shards of different uh, debris in it, as long as the animal safety in, and health is taken into consideration, which I'm sure there can always be bad examples of these kinds of things happening or like potentially the, the listeria that was on those wooden boards that were uh, contaminated but in general, the wood boards or the spent grains, they're generally considered safe. I mean, there's not something that's to be of concern. There's something that is a good use of, I mean, for especially the spent grains, it's a good use of waste like we've talked about before. I mean, these waste products need to go somewhere. So why make it more expensive to dispose of if it doesn't need to be? Um, and, and so that's kind of a, a different example of these uh, FSMA regulations and how they're kind of coming out. But the FDA did backtrack. They, um, I mean, after this was after the public, uh, responded, there was, there, um, were petitions signed and a lot of, um, a lot of major news sources were reporting on this. It was actually a lot bigger of a, um, uh, coverage than I would have expected, but, uh, the the American Cheese Society came out with a public response stating all of the reasons as to why cheese boards are safe and a lot of different aspects. But the FDA did backtrack on, say, last Tuesday when the last podcast uh, was was released, and they said uh, they do not have a new policy banning the use of wooden shelves in cheese making, nor is there any FSMA requirement in effect that addresses this issue. But they are talking about taking in public uh, evidence and discourse, and uh, they are going to look in things further. 
And so I think, and I think that's, I think that's good that they're, they are kind of, um, the, this issue has been brought to light and people are more aware of it. And cause the FDA, I mean, basically their job is to make sure that, um, the general public can, um, go to this grocery store with confidence and, um, go to restaurants with confidence and know that what they are going to be served, um, with, uh, you know, granted aside, um, food preparation, that sort of thing. Cause you can't get, uh, certain types of foodborne il- illnesses that way. Anyway, the food itself is um, whole and clean, and it, everyone follows the same types of rules. Um, just because, you know, like if you ever read the book The Jungle by Upton Sinclair, he was the one that kind of brought all of this stuff to light, and that's when the FDA and the USDA was formed, was because of all of these basically no regulations at all, and people were getting food that was not sanitary or healthy at all. And um, it just made the government realize that to protect its people, they needed to have some sort of agency or agencies to do this. And so, I mean, it's good that the FDA is bringing this, this, you know, quote unquote issue to light. Um, uh, But it just to go ahead and put a whole ban on it, just, um, I don't want to say all of a sudden, since it's been around for a while, but you know, just again, like what we talked about last week, there's more research that probably needs to be involved and, more people that um, have more experience with it and stuff like that than just to put a ban out there and say, sorry, you can't use this at all. Yeah. And I think the, that, yes, it is important to bring up uh, safety concerns. Um, and then sometimes, you know, the FDA is more cautious than say uh, people necessarily want to be. And that brings up the whole thing of personal choice. It's like, well, shouldn't I be allowed to, as long as I am making the conscious choice, say people with the argument for raw milk or, or other kinds of foods that have been regulated against and aren't legal for sale. Shouldn't um, I, as an individual, be able to make a decision to do something that um, is arguably slightly riskier if I am not putting anyone else in danger? And so there are, are arguments against such regulation of uh, like such harsh regulation. But in general, we don't really have a choice here in the United States and uh, uh, ever growing in other parts of the world as well. And and so I think yeah. that's where the scare really becomes. It's like, oh, wow. Um yeah, they, they back down now, but that doesn't stop them from changing things in the future. And sure, it's politics; people can, the things can be changed. But at the same time, this could just be the case. This or something else in the future. Some food that we love, some traditional food, could just be relegated to um, being made at home. Which you know, I'd still make things, but I don't see why people that you know, especially cheesemakers. I mean. Artisanal cheesemakers, at least a large majority of them, that's, I mean, it's a lot of hard work, a lot of money because there is already so much regulation in cheesemaking um, because it's it's generally something that is does have need a regulation in some sense because it can be dangerous if things go wrong. Generally, they don't. But if things do go wrong, they can go really wrong and people mm-hmm. can die. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, again, going back to the FDA and covering their butts. Um, for to use a a better term than what other people might use, I I mean I can see that you know we should people should be able to make their own decisions about what they eat and it's kind of like why is the government regulated regulating all of this stuff, but um I think a vast majority of the general public doesn't even didn't even know that this was even an issue and they probably didn't even realize that um cheeses some types of cheeses are made on wood boards so i think i mean granted we know a little 
a little more just because we have an interest in it and looked more into it. But I mean, I think it's just, I think that I don't think that there's anything wrong with the FDA um, putting any types of regulations on it. I think that they could go through and say like, instead of just banning wood altogether, they should go through and look at it and say, okay, here are um, the critical points of production that you should look at. And we should try to figure out some sort of a better processing method that will kill this listeria or um, inhibit it or whatever it is. Um, You know, there could be other things in the biofilms or the um, on the boards themselves that could cause foodborne illnesses instead of just completely banning it and kind of looking at the process as a whole instead of um, in dissecting it and figuring out where they can improve on this process. So then we don't have to ban certain types of cheeses and we don't have to make them at home and we can still go out and enjoy all the cheese that these cheesemakers are making. And I think that that, yes, I mean, it is important. Um, and I think that there are always aspects to food preparation that are important to consider. And this is just one of them. I, I lean more on the side of like, I don't see why like there needs to be this kind of regulation with such a traditional uh, food process. And especially since these these aren't the same massive uh, food industry uh, producers for the most part that are aging things on wood. Uh, it, these are small businesses generally or relatively small and um, more regulation only makes it more expensive and, and tougher to, to produce. And sure, I understand the importance of safety, but in uh, so, uh, a, uh, a cheesemaker that's just down the road from me uh, and uh, Bluemont Dairy, Willie uh, Laner said, you know, that, that he hopes that this will serve as a wake up call. Uh, and I quote him, the artesian part of cheese making is being sapped out of us because of all of the rules and regulations that are being imposed on us. And I think there's something to that. I, I think that, uh, regulation is just a part of business and especially when it comes to food. So I think it's just a reality. Um, but there, there is something to cheese making that, that romantic side, like you were talking about earlier that I think is important to, to value and to not completely sap everything out of it. Because otherwise, why do we need the artisanal cheese makers that are devoting their lives, uh, that sweat, blood and tears that we've talked about before? I mean, why, why have that at all? I mean, if we can just, if we can just have large scale, producers of everything that is technically sanitary and not that like you talked about hot dogs and different stuff. It's not that that's a guarantee people won't get sick, but um, I don't know. I just, I, I don't, I'd, I'd hope that things don't get sapped. And I think at the same time, it's also important to remember that it's not necessarily over. I don't think it needs to be dramatic and something that, um, uh, that needs to be fought against. But at the same time, I mean, I think this is something to stay aware of. Like you said, a lot of people are a lot, more familiar with this issue now, but like so many things, it's so easy for it to flare up and get a a lot of press and uh, uh, exposure and then kind of dwindle down and then things start to change slowly. And I think that that's something to at least be aware of is that this could change. And so it's important to be aware of what's going on and then, you know, keep up with your uh, cheese making friends and and figuring out uh, what the, what the latest news is. Yeah, I think this is an ongoing issue or um, not not an issue, but I think that they really I think what what the FDA came about with this is that we do they do need to look into um, other methods or other processing methods that will make the cheese not not lose its quality and its artisanal factor, but still make it affordable for people, the cheesemakers themselves to do 
Um, but also just to have that borderline safeguard over um, people who don't realize that this was even an issue. Um, I've, I've never thought of it when I've eaten art- artisanal cheeses or anything like that, like thinking, I, because I just assume like um, no matter what, when I buy it at the store, it should be safe for me to consume um, and I shouldn't have to worry about it. And, but again, you know, you always hear about all of these recalls, all of these food recalls with E. coli. And um, um, there's a few other ones that were recently in the news that are slipping my mind that dealt with um, berries that came from um, uh, certain types of grocery stores and stuff like that. Uh, so I don't think that this is going to be like this is the end of the discussion um, but it's interesting and it'll be nice to see where the FDA goes with this and how the cheese industry changes because they will have to change, um, what they're doing, whether it's just their thought process on how to keep their cheeses and their sellers clean and sanitary versus if they have to change because the FDA is making them. Does that make sense? Like there is, there will be some sort of change just because this has been brought to light and whether it's something we notice or not, who knows? Well, and I, I'll just emphasize too that there. I'll put links in the in the show notes too about how there. This has been brought to light, but a lot of it has been brought to light, and a lot of the reason why it was such a big deal is because it was brought to light uh, based on very little evidence. As in, there has never been a case based on uh, of foodborne illness from a wood board. Nothing's ever been connected to it. There is evidence and a research out there stating that it is the opposite, that wood boards may actually be in, in, in some, as long as they're uh, clean properly and there are certain standards that are already in place in states, there are many things that are already in place to make wood boards as safe as possible. And so it's been brought to light. I, I, will, get, I will agree with you in the sense of it's, it's kind of cool that more people realize that cheese is even just aged on boards. It at least brings more, more knowledge to the forefront on just cheese in general. So I think that that's the positive side of it. And I just hope that if the FDA makes any actual decisions, it's based on evidence as opposed to kind of randomness that this all seemed to be. But yeah, I mean, I agree with you too. There is evidence from the research that I did before we started talking that, um, you know, wood boards could be beneficial and uh, certain types of biofilms that form on these boards could be inhibiting back certain types of bacteria. And, you know, that goes then there's other studies that said, no, it's not happening. So, I mean, you can look at it in a lot of different ways. But, um, yeah, just to agree with you that there um, it's good that this has been brought to light and that people are now aware that cheese cheeses, certain types of cheeses are aged on wood boards. So, um I would like to hear what's going to happen in the next few years. And also, I do think I'm sure that the FDA had some kind of evidence um, to to make this a public issue. But at the same time, the articles that I read, too, also didn't really state that these are concrete facts. Well, yeah, I mean, it's there's evidence uh, towards I mean, I don't think that there but it has come up in question before. So it's something that that states have um, have done research on and and there are actual um, studies that have been done to kind of measure the differences. So, yeah, there's there's stuff out there. And yes, I'm sure they didn't come up out of nowhere. But sometimes that definitely can seem that way uh, when it comes to food regulation, because things that have happened one way for a long time, all of a sudden change. But get out there and try some. If if you're not familiar with cheeses that are 
specifically aged on boards, that'd be the research to get out there and do. Find some cheeses uh, that are aged on boards and enjoy them while you can. I'm mean, uh, more joking in that sense. I mean, they're they're probably not going anywhere, but uh, just in case, at least learn a, uh, learn a new thing and enjoy a new cheese. If anyone hears of anything or has an opinion or wants to share some thoughts, um, please get a hold of us. And you can get a hold of us on uh, Twitter at FirmUp and on Facebook at FirmUp. And you can find the show notes with all of the links that we were talking about today at firmup.com slash podcast slash 70. And until next time, firm up. <laughs>